Thanks for tuning in to Andrea in the Morning. This is Andrea Raquel, the social entrepreneur and sugar-free coach. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in and following. I hope you've liked our page on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash sugar-free coach, as well as on Twitter. You can catch me on Twitter at sugar-free coach. I will follow back and reciprocate. I always do. Daniel has a book signing coming up. Yay! So he's going to keep us posted on that, right? Absolutely. On all my social music project you're working on, too. Yeah, so I just came out with a mixtape called Sell Perfect on Spinrella. Don't listen to that, or do. Um, but it was this—it was a learning experience project. So, like, I have a brother who's very into music, like very into music. I'm like, he's really good at what he does, but like, he he learns like he like he likes to learn about the in depth process of music, and like he likes to talk my head off about it. And he's always like, you can go 1,200% with this. Like, you can actually be the greatest of all time that does it if you do it the right way. Just do it the right way. I don't know why you don't do it the right way. So, Gotta I just, love like, siblings. Yeah, so I just kept, kept making songs, like, just trying different things so I could, like, figure out, like, what he was saying and, like, what to do with sounds. I learned a lot from music. I actually put my first two songs out on Spotify. So wait, okay, but is your brother like this too? Because my sister does this to me all the time. You're busting at me and you're saying if you do it the right way, I don't know why you won't do it the right way, but he's not gonna just simply tell you what the right way is or exactly what you what you're missing or what you you gotta go figure that out. Is that is that yes. is that something to do? What is that? I don't know. And he, he's so sure it's the right way right way to teach somebody something. And I'm like, okay, Yoda, I'll go and figure it out. <laughs> He's like, you just, so and I'm like, he's like, I, I explained it to you perfectly. I'm like, no, you didn't, but whatever. And then my sister will, then my sister will put it back on me and be like, she'll get mad at me because when I, when we talk about it, what I discover is, is because we're their siblings. They think that we should just get it. They give us credit for being like so much smarter and we should just get things. So like I told you, duh, why, why don't you just know you're smart? Right. So m- most of the songs Ugh. that I put on that tape, most of the songs that I put out on the tape are songs that like I just went ahead and did without him hearing. And then like I was like, hey, listen to this. I don't care if you like it or not. And he was just like, this is like almost there. Like he'll, he'll never tell me it's <laughs> he'll never tell me it's it's good enough. He'll always say it's almost there. That is like, hilarious. Okay. What's the age difference between you two? Uh, two and a half years. My sister and I are three years apart. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's that good sibling training right there. Yeah. I mean, because they, it, I mean, technically they kind of were responsible, I guess, for making sure that we did right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't really blame them, but like, it, it put me through this mindset for like, that's like the tape I just put out is like a combination of like, two years almost of work i just kept making songs and like if i didn't get that almost right from him i would like put him on the back burner i don't delete anything because everything could be recycled um but i put it on the back burner and then like come back to him with a new idea and he'd be like okay and the ones he was like this almost right like i kept him and like listened to what was right about him just try to like it's literally the epitome of a mixtape like it's a bunch of different styles of songs i try so many different things but it was just learning everything i can from his eyes because he does have a lot of good unfortunately you have to admit siblings have good advice sometimes yes they're really good at stuff yes (laughs) <laughs> I tell people that, you know, because I was in banking and I went to real estate school and, you know, I did all this kind of stuff. 
people always look at me and think, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. Long before I did all of these things, really, even before I went to elementary school, my sister taught me, like, my sister taught me how to do math and how to read right before I even went to elementary school. Right. <laughs> like, it's not even like, for those who have an older sibling, like, hopefully, you know, but it's like, you're not even as terrified almost as, like, not living up to your parents' expectations as you are to not living up to your siblings' expectations. Right. <laughs> That's so funny. Wow. <laughs> so um, this book signing, you're going to let us know and keep us posted when that's going to be, right? Yes, because yes. I love graphic design. I'll probably, like, produce a fly. And second, and Charles, you kind of are in charge of all of that type print stuff, so... I'll probably I love that place. I love it too. Like if you've never been to a second Charles, go. And they have a free bin usually outside. Uh, you can take your old video games and CDs and stuff there and turn them in and get a credit towards whatever else you want to buy. Yep. I just bought uh, a game for this week that I also bought from them. I just bought a game. And today. at yours, do they have a big screen TV where you can sit in there and play video games? Yes. I love that place so much, you guys. So, yeah, you guys, if if you're in Daniel's area, you have to go to his book signing when he announces it. And if you stay following us, he'll be back. He'll probably come back on the show and talk about it. Oh, absolutely. I'm so looking forward to it. So, I want to ask you a question. Okay. So, you guys, I went to this film festival last night. The Utopia Film Festival is so cute. It's in this little town called Greenbelt, Maryland, which has an amazing history. The Roosevelts started it, and Eleanor Roosevelt wanted to be all co-op, blah 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 and then they tried to close down the city because it kind of gave off connotations of, like, socialism and communism, and then the people ended up buying the land, and so it's like the oldest, longest-running co-op city. It's just a really cute town, cute film festival. And so they did this um, little four-part um, showing where they showed two movies first. I think the first one was called The Quiet, I think. Then the second one was called Bishop. And then Joe and Denise, which is the film. It's like a nine-minute short about my brother-in-law and my sister. And then the last one is the one I want to ask you about. Guys, this film is called Unarmed Man. And if you know me at all, even if you were just listening to the show earlier, you know that I am not the person. First of all, I'm not the person to show any kind of movie at any point ever in life and blindside me with some drama or some devastation or some a sad ending. Or I would like be ready to fight you because I don't like people messing with my mental wellness. I, I pick and choose, you know what I mean? So don't blindside me with that, you know? And um, I guess I could have did my research and found out, but whatever. Um, <laughs> all of the films were about legal issues. I, that's, I guess that's the best way I can lump them together. Because the first one was really good. It was about a guy who was talking about having a twin. And it sounded like the twin did something, but he didn't. It was him. It was weird. It was a graphic kind of sort of film. It was really good, though. And the second one was about this longtime search for this man who killed his whole family. And he's been on the run, like, since the 50s. Like, oh, ridiculous. Yeah, okay. And then there was Joe and Denise. And you guys know, if you've been following me, that Joe was incarcerated for 38 years in the federal Virginia prison. And they bounced him around, too. He was, like, in several of the supermaxes around the country, even. Um, and there's documentaries and stories and books about him and Marie Dean. So that was about him. For a crime he didn't commit, I should add on, in case any of y'all were wondering why my sister would marry uh, somebody who was in jail for four years. Um, but yeah, for a crime. So we're all that waiting on that to be um, retried and all that. You guys got to get my book and watch the shows that we've done where we talked about it. Because if you follow me at all and you don't know about my sister and my brother-in-law's story, you should. Because if you don't know and then we talk and then, you know, it's not going to be, because it's kind of <laughs> devastating. We live with it daily. <laughs> Um, but so anyway, then the last one, and that was emotional enough, okay, because it's really cute. Um, but then the last one started off with like this 
you know, police news report of this black man getting shot in the street by the police. And, oh, some woman wailing and crying. He didn't do nothing. And he was unarmed. And then it went on from there. I was livid. Oh, my God. I was so angry that I had been blindsided like that. But, you guys, this film was so good. Like, so good. I can't even tell you, like, like. Normally that'll happen and people will be like, well, I didn't want to watch it, but it was good. But no, you don't understand. It wasn't just good. It was spun in a way where almost that film could be like in my arsenal, part of my platform, because the way that it was portrayed is everything I always talk about. So there was this man in the driver's seat and a woman was in the passenger seat, her husband, their baby was in the back seat, little seven-year-old girl. And the man... Um, was pulled over. The police officer told him he, I don't want to tell the whole story because it's going to come out. But anyway, the gist of it is, is that they showed this whole entire interview investigation thing and they showed the perspectives from all the different sides. They humanized, they didn't try to just demonize the police officer. They showed the human flawed intricacies of each person and the dynamics that take place in our society that lead into these explosive type situations that we keep bumping into. And I cannot rave enough about this film. You guys Google it right now. If you're listening, I'll share the links. It's called Unarmed Man, but please support this film because this is the that. If you're part of my tribe and we talk about this kind of stuff, I know y'all are all gonna love it. Um, But support this film so that it can go far so that, because this is the kind of thing that helps other people to sort of change their mind about things. You know, like we were talking earlier, Daniel, about, you know, autism speaks. You know, we can be angry or we can try to come to the table and help bring about change. And that's how I feel even about, you know, the violence that takes place, whether it's police violence or, you know, regular people, whatever it is, I feel like more conversations need to be had. How do you, what do you, Like, what's your take on it, being a black man, you know, (laughs) and being a microbiologist, but at the same time, also, too, a hip hop artist, you know, Um, you're in an interracial relationship. Um, You know, you are in a very interesting dynamic, sort of the way that I am, where you get to have a bird's eye view of a lot of different conversations from different sides and see how people feel about things and expecting you to feel a certain way and maybe not necessarily the way you feel. And, you know, what's what's your take on all that? And what, what's your experience? With That's so crazy you mentioned that. So, like, first of all, I definitely just Googled the movie as soon as you said it. I wrote it down and mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to find it and watch it. And you mentioned my home state of Maryland. So uh-huh. um, definitely, definitely gonna have to let us know when another film festival is. Oh, yeah, town. y'all. Um, Harold Jackson Third. Now, I just found out that when we watched it last night is the last time it's going to be at any film festivals. I think it's going to be on like Netflix or HBO coming up soon. Netflix people, you put the Ooh. word out, y'all. Demand it. Uh, go on IMDb, y'all. Please put some pub behind this movie because, you guys, it is brilliant. Like, brilliant, brilliant. Yes. But you brought up a very interesting topic. So, as I told you, I've been trying to social media more. Like, it's definitely not working. It was one of my best friend's birthday yesterday. I still got to wish him a happy birthday. So, if he happens to hear this two days after his birthday, happy belated birthday. Yeah, I'm going to message Happy birthday. <laughs> I'm going I'm to message him uh, when we're done talking, but I've been trying to social media more. It just gets hard sometimes. Um, but, like, another article I saw about uh, they're pushing to um, put in place putting an autism symbol on driver's licenses in New York. I saw that. Yeah, and I was like... Um, Okay, trying to see this from both sides and conflicted viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Because I see the strengths and the flaws in both things. I was like, one at the end of the day, um, I'm still a black man. Uh, <laughs> and two, um, like, initially, I do kind of feel some type of way that. Like, you're telling me that they would have compassion, like, that 
a little symbol on the bottom of a plastic card is going to be what gives them compassion for me as a human being, which is something like, I just, like, why can't you have that in the first place? That's, that's what the whole initial conversation is about. It's like, just why can't you have compassion for me in the first place? Like I did anybody. a whole episode about that. Who, <laughs> what do I have to do? Who do, what do I have to do for people to show compassion towards me? Like, why do I have to tell you that I'm autistic? Why do I have to tell you that my brother-in-law has one leg? You know, people, oh, well, if he was black, you know, he wouldn't have, you know, why do I have to tell you that he only has one leg because he was in jail for 40 years for a crime he didn't commit for you to have compassion for that white man? Why do I, as a black woman, have to tell you I'm autistic for you to have compassion for me? Because you think I'm too boisterous or too mouthy or you think I'm peacocking when in reality I'm just autistic and can't help it. I talk too loud. <laughs> why, why, do I, why do I have to tell you that? Right. So I'm like, that. I was like, this is a very interesting, I was like, that's a very interesting thing. Like, I appreciate from the parents' perspective what they're trying to do. Like, parents worry about their kids. They want to try and do everything to make sure they're as safe as possible. Like, from a young age, you know, my mom definitely t told me, like, look, when you see cops do these things, just, like, right. make sure. Like, you have to make sure, like, at all costs that you're not being no fool and they can't mistake right. you for being no fool. Like, unequivocally, I try and tell people all the time, like, I hope that if the day comes, I'm not putting this out as a challenge to any, you know, FBI agent watching or whatever. <laughs> like, but like if it ever came down to it and they took me out, I would hope that I put it out there in the universe that a lot of people would find it hard to believe that I brought it on myself. Right. And that's but all we can do. I cannot extend my life. Whether I get shot by a police officer or get hit by a bus tomorrow, I cannot do anything to extend my life. So the best that I can hope for is that if somebody takes me out before I'm supposed to go, to everybody going to know <laughs> that I did not So maybe Because I think about stuff like that all the time. Like, my fiance gets worried, like, sometimes with me going out late at night sometimes, like, I might get pulled over or she's like, even if there's nothing actually wrong, you get pulled over and something happens. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, I'd be thinking about it. Like, there was one time I was driving to work when I lived up in Harrisburg, and I had forgotten my wallet at home. And I actually didn't really have, this is beside the point, but I didn't really have a license. Um, <laughs> but I had to work regardless because mm -hmm. I needed to pay for the apartment and there were no jobs close enough for me to not have to drive to work but mm -hmm. um i forgot my wallet and i came whipping around the corner and i didn't realize i didn't have my lights on because i'm rushing to work and mm -hmm. I drive back. um but as i come up past pinnacle health i don't know if anybody lives in that area uh, knows how that's located but i come up past pinnacle health's garage area and a cop is pulling out and I don't see him because he doesn't have his light, lights on either until he's ready to pull out. And um, he, he gets behind me and the lights flash. And, like, my heart almost beats mm. out of my chest. Mm. And I'm like, I there's nothing I can do in this situation if it goes south because I know I'm in the wrong. Mm -hmm. I was like, but I'm also just praying it doesn't go south. Right. And I'm like, you know, what what um, everything's going through my through my mind like what do i have to do like this guy comes to to the window on you know like being a nut like what like what do i have to prepare myself for so like, how I tried, am i going to talk myself out of this situation right so i tried to like think of everything my mom ever told me about like if you encounter a police officer this is what you do mm -hmm. like every little lesson into account like i put my hands up on the steering wheel like, I shut the engine off, like, all of that, rolled the window down, and then, like, he walks up to the window, and he was a really nice encounter, actually. He was just, like, he was, like, um, are you okay? He was, like, calm down. I just want you to turn Aww. your lights on. <laughs> Bless his heart. Jesus, have mercy. Mm-mm-mm. I was, like. He instantly recognized that you were afraid for your life. 
that almost right. made me want to cry because that's what we need. Instead of some people <laughs> who are inexperienced, okay, and immature, would look at your nervousness as a threat instead of looking at it like, okay, people are getting shot every day. He's probably terrified that I'm going to kill him. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm so wow. thankful he had because it could have gone south. Yes, 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 yes. Um... Hi, I'm John M. Ketchum. I'm the author of The Zero's Journey, a modern-day survival guide to weathering accidental enlightenment. And you're listening to The Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show with Andrea in the morning. I've been in quite a few situations. Um, and, you know, people think, you know, a lot of black men think that, you know, when I've told stories and they're like, well, if you was a man, you know, it's like only ha- stuff only happens to black men, whatever. And I hate that perspective, too. But um, I have learned through my autistic, you know, what do they call it? Masking or whatever, because that's what we've had to do in life. You know, okay, I'm in this situation with all these people in a in a work environment. I got to go to a training and go and now I got to be in a classroom for three weeks with 20 people. Okay, so that's too too small of a group to get lost in. You know what I mean? And they're going to be calling on you. You got to break up and get into tables. Now you got to let people get to know you. That's a lot. You guys, an autistic person, especially if it's a group you didn't choose. It's not like I went to a conference and it was based on some positive topic or something, right? Yeah. So I've learned over the years how to disarm people, and I'm very, very good at it when I'm not caught off guard. You know what I mean? Like if if I'm if my guard is down and I know you really well and you blindside me, then I won't necessarily be good at it. Or if I'm not expecting the person or whatever, but for the most part. In classroom type settings, with um, job settings, with police, I'm very, very good at it. And I think I got this way through work in retail because you have to do scripts and you have to, you know, learn how to sell and learn the steps of selling. And I actually literally apply the steps of selling across my life. I really do. You know, when you when you have to sell a product and I work everywhere. You have to do these things in order. You know, first when the person comes up, of course, there's the greeting. You have to establish rapport. And then you have to meet the person's need, give them what they want. And then you add on, because if you don't add on, you're really not meeting the person's need. Because if they don't know that they could have got two pair for the price of one, you're not really being nice and helping that person out or whatever. And then you close it with a smile and thank them and follow up and send gifts and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I apply that across my life. I like to do that in relationships. I do it when friends panic about stuff. I do it with this show. I, um, but I, I, I practiced it with police officers. And so my go-to thing with police officers to try to always be in a situation where I don't have to feel like I'm going to get dragged down the street or beat up or whatever, raped. You know, so, you know, while a lot of black men are always trying to make me feel like, you know, you can't relate because you're a woman. I'm like, no, you don't know what it's like, because not only have we seen black women get beat up and dragged, but we got a fear for maybe getting raped by some either fake police officer or, you know, just some dirty police officers or whatever. I knew a police officer in my neighborhood in the house that I just sold a few years ago who was taking advantage of women in our neighborhood. So it happens like that, you know, so but I always resort to laughter. I always try to get the person (laughs) laughing. I always try to crack a joke or say something silly or funny. I always even if it's the most good old boy or the goody old boys, I try to always catch the person off guard and make them laugh. And it seems to work. Okay. And I actually had a white friend tell me that yesterday, too. He said he got pulled over and the police officer walked up to the window and he was like, too fast for you? <laughs> the police officer just busted out laughing. And he said, I felt like it was my white boy privilege that got me off of that because I was going really way fast. But I was like, no, but it could have just been the fact that you made him laugh and, and you acknowledged that you were wrong. You know, you never know. Yeah. Some, sometimes it's a little bit of humanity. Sometimes it's a little bit of uh, them wilding. Sometimes it's a little bit of of, of us wilding, but like... Yep. And, and if and, you try to, and if you try to call which one it is without knowing, then you're no better than the other person is who judged you. Yep. So I'm just like, just because people are nasty doesn't mean they're racist. 
right? So like, there, there, there's definitely that. That I definitely can't wait to watch Unarmed Man. I, I, I am so happy it's coming to Netflix. It better come to Netflix. Oh my God! I hope it comes to Netflix. I don't know. We we might need to call the CEO or something, but I'm gonna follow it very closely because you know you ever feel like sometimes really good stuff slips away and it doesn't get. I, I'm gonna make sure. I'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure that this is successful, and I want to tell everybody because I know that you're gonna love it. I know you are. It's it's a it's a topic to have, and then like especially after seeing that, oh uh, let's put the let's put an autism symbol at the bottom of people's driver's license. I'm like. Uh, I can see that going very bad. But can I ask you a question? You see, I get in trouble sometimes. I do. <laughs> I don't know, y'all. I don't. I say I say things sometimes that make people think that I'm quote unquote whitewashed or good old boy or whatever the thing is. I grew up in two Commonwealth states. I can't help it. I have a very don't tread on me mentality. Okay. Right. But I was also born abroad. So you can't accuse me of being like a, you know, xenophobe, whatever, people who only like people in the U.S. or whatever. <laughs> I just have a very basic way of thinking about things. And I just don't get caught up in a lot of the emotional drama that other people do. So it sounds like I'm not being compassionate. But these are just basic questions I'll be having. Okay. So if I can function well enough to drive an automobile and follow traffic laws, why can't I just open up my mouth and tell the police officer that I'm autistic if it's something he needs to know? Because I usually do. People get mad at me sometimes, but I, that's another <laughs> disarming technique that I've learned. Now, if you know me, you know that I am not short on confidence. I'm not self-loathing or low self-esteem, any of those things. I mean, just as much as the next person, I spend too much time in the mirror worrying about my hair. But after that, I don't care. Literally don't care. Okay. So, but I play that sometimes to disarm other humans that I know have a jealous tendency. So I will make the autism joke and I will tell somebody, like, if I say, like, uh, I didn't mean it that way. That's just my country black girl way of saying it. Because sometimes people take things that I say and make it seem like I'm being overly aggressive. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm a black woman. That's just how I talk. Or, no, I'm autistic. That's just how I talk. Or, no, I'm a veteran. I have a potty mouth. I don't curse on my show a lot. But my pastor even knows I'm subject to say a curse word out of my mouth. I was around soldiers for years. I, it is what it is. And I am who I am. I can't do the fake thing too well. I can mask in small, little, small, short periods of time. But the older I get and the less I care, the worse I am about masking. Okay. <laughs> But one of the things I've learned to do to disarm people who are mean is to tell them I'm, that I'm autistic because then they feel stupid. They feel dumb. <laughs> I have had people turn bright red. It's almost like, like it happened to us yesterday, it's almost like somebody pulling up next to you and being pissed off because you're in the handicapped space until my brother-in-law gets out with his one leg. Then they feel stupid. It's the same type of thing. But what I'm saying is, my question again, <clears throat> if I can function well enough to drive a car, and follow basic traffic laws. Why can't I just tell the police officer that I'm autistic? Now, if I can't talk, that's different. There's people who are not autistic who can't talk. But why can't I just keep a card in my pocket and show that to them? That's what homeless people do. When they want to get your money, they walk up to you and give you a little card with everything they want to say on it. Right. right. It's a, it's a little much to, to ask somebody. Just It's on the spot all the time. Instead of like allowing me... Like, it takes away the me being able to, all right, if you want to bring it up in conversation, I'll talk to you about it. Right. Like, right. I'm not going to, like, I think maybe two of my coworkers now. Like I, I saw, don't think the cashier, when I have to show my driver's license to go along with my credit card, should have the ability to know that I'm autistic. Right. Like, it's, a little, it's a little, I like when people, like, sometimes, like, it kind of annoys me, but I like when people are sometimes like, oh, like, I would have never known. Like, right. yeah, you would known because I was never going to tell you. I just right. decided right. because I felt like you might have earned that privilege but like right. what? Like you're asking me to just like these cops now have to make a judgment on me based on something I might not necessarily even want them to know but especially if they're going to be aggressive to me in the first place I really don't want them to know. And if somebody is going to be aggressive towards you because of how you look what makes you think that telling them that they're autistic is going to change that? Yeah. I'm like, I get it. Now, like, 
And if I see something on your license that says you're autistic, I might have a tendency to think that you're not as smart as you are and think that I can get away with some stuff. Right. Oh, that that's something that's like, I guess, ate up at my gut is because people use that word so interchangeably to be like mentally slow. And I think and it's, it's because they could. Neurodivergence they and mental health issues are not the same thing. Right, right. They can they, they confuse like the different kinds of like differences that your brain can have. Like, right. It's a very complex piece of machine. So like, it being wired a little differently might not be a bad thing. Right. You're you're running you're running off of a. a core two processor and you know i'm running off of like a quantum computer like it's just you gotta preach <laughs> it's just two different systems. i might not be able to process that basic algorithm that you just asked me to do but look at what i'm working on <laughs> right. it's just like i'm a completely different piece of machine built for something yes, completely. yes. Like, people just I don't know, they, they take things so, like, that's kind of why I'm a little bit hesitant to even let people know. It's not even that I'm ashamed about it, it's that, like, I don't have, I don't feel like having, I don't feel like the sympathy looks, like, that's not what I'm here for. If I told yeah, I you. I usually don't tell people until after they're impressed with me already. Right, because if I. Like, if until I, after you have a concept that I'm smarter than you thought by looking at me and maybe even smarter than you are, then after that I might tell you that I'm autistic. Right. Because <laughs> then I, you're I, just going to be looking at me amazed instead of looking at me like you got to feel sorry for me. Now you already know you're not feeling sorry for me because you're already jealous. <laughs> right. Like I just, I want you to know because I want to, I, maybe I want you to understand a few different things about how we're about to communicate. Right. Uh, or... Or I want I, I might do it too if if you feel like I'm being overly abrasive. If I have to communicate with you yeah. and for whatever reason I might have hurt your feelings, maybe it came across a little harsh and you feel like I'm being too direct, then I might tell you. Right. So like So you don't think it's personal. Like I've I've told a few select people at work, like to because I work with them a little more closely. And mm -hmm. that's what I look at. I'm like, as I work with you more closely, I'll probably definitely tell you. But it's just because, like, I'm a very direct person. Mm -hmm. I will look you dead in the face and be like, good morning, Bill. And if you don't look me in the face back and say good morning, I'm going to stare you in the face until you do. <laughs> I don't... You know what? Stereotypically <laughs> speaking, that flies in the face of the whole autistic people don't give eye contact thing. <laughs> right yeah it's like that's hilarious maybe, i love it. like i was like it's the, these things i think like i've trained myself to do over the years it's like i can't like because i hate the the uneasy feeling i can't walk around like thinking oh that person doesn't like me or oh that person doesn't like me and it's not even that i care one way or the other i just don't like not knowing <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's put it all the way out there. Let me be nice to you and then give you the opportunity to say whatever it is that you have to say to me so we can get past it. Right. If you don't like me, I'm like you that too. But I'm right. gonna say like at work, like I've walked past this one person like several times in the morning and then like the sixth time, like I felt the awkward tension. So I stopped and I was like because I didn't say this earlier, and it's just because of the headspace I'm in. Good morning. Ah, I love it. They smiled and they said good morning back, and it was all copacetic. But it's like I just I'm one of those people. Like I'm going to, if I'm too direct, I'm sorry. If I'm too in my head, I'm sorry. I'm trying to balance both. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's to me. That's like that's the whole needing meeting in the middle you know the, the more we can meet in the middle as human beings whether it's the middle of gender issues the middle of racial issues the middle of neurodivergences and international whatever it is the more we can meet in the middle 
the better. I mean, a lot of people act like meeting in the middle is a bad thing. And, but, you know, if you're, if you're comfortable in who you are, nobody can take that away from you. Nobody is going to erase your history just because you choose to meet in the middle. It, they can't, you know. And so I just think right. that, you know, it will, the world would kind of go around a lot better if, if everybody applied, you know, what you just said. Like I was thinking about the other day too, and it's it's funny because like as I've been trying to push my my have a lot of projects going on, but been doing the music thing and coming to terms with like I was telling you, I put two songs on Spotify, and they're kind of way different than what's on the mixtape, and it's just because I finally figured out what I want to do with music, but it was a hard decision to come to, and you're a writer, you know, like. They always tell you, oh, as a writer, bear your soul. Like, be honest. And, like, as somebody with uh, ASD, you know, you kind of can't help but be honest sometimes. Right? Cracks me up when people tell me to be authentic. Yeah, so it's like, um, like, I, I watch these, like, I listen to other musicians and other people, you know, doing what I do and trying to go about living their life and living their truth and making their art. And I'm like, wow. And like, there's some people who come, like, they make music and we all have, like, know the ideas that come behind hip hop, the grunginess, the street cred, all of that stuff that comes with hip hop music. So certain things are talked about. And it's kind of like, well, you can't talk about these things if you don't know the experience. And then I look back and I'm like, it's kind of crazy because I come from the typical hip hop background. Like, if you look at how I grew up, you'd be like, oh, yeah, he'd probably be a rapper, a ball player in jail or dead. Mm. If you talk to me, if you talk to me for five minutes, you'd be like, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. But if you just mm. go assuming based off my background and based off my looks or based off how I talk to my friends or any of that, you'd mm-hmm. be like, yeah. Like, I know his path, so, like, it's interesting when I see other people have these conversations, like, oh, no, you can't really, like, do these certain things, and, like, I don't know, you, ha- you, you have no idea what personal connections people have, and, like, I had a hard time, I had a hard time wanting to make the music for, for a long time, because I'm, like, like, there's this one song on the mixtape called Power, where I'm literally blatantly lying, like, I, I, I call myself, I even lied about my Zodiac sign. Mm-hmm. I was like, she asked me for a sign, so I tell her I'm a cancer. I'm not a cancer. My brother's a cancer. I'm a Capricorn. Mm-hmm. The are song. You, are was... you really, or is that the lie? No, no, I'm really a Capricorn. The song was a original. Really? Mm-hmm. Hey, Cassie. No, are you a song... January Capricorn or a December Capricorn? January. Me too. Hey, what day? The fourth. Oh, such a good day. When's your day? The 13th. Wow, that's so cool. Yep, so my 13th All is right, my favorite. now that if you guys do some old awesome celebrating, big party style, you know, yacht, cruise. Hi, I'm Lee Grissom, and you're listening to the Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show with Andrea in the morning. So I'm like, at the end of the, the day, like, I am who I am. So, like, mm-hmm. I like I listen to the mixtape from time to time. Like, that is a part of me. Like, in high school, I definitely came from the environment I came from. And mm-hmm. I've grown so much in the past seven years to who I am now. And, like, I still have, like, medical school. I still push things very seriously, like health and wellness. I have this book on the mixtape called Hundred Bags. It's literally talking about how I want to buy hundreds of bags and fill them with books and donate them to Mm -hmm. kids. Tell them that reading is cool. Mm -hmm. The the two songs I put out on SIG, they were – I encourage you, if you haven't heard this, there's this kid, Hobo Johnson – he makes he has this one song called Romeo and Juliet. I would say listen to that first. It's amazing. But I was like listening to his music and I was like, 
he has this at the end of his mixtape he has a song called the ending where he's like he was really like depressed for a little bit doing the rap industry like because the rap industry is hard and he just decided he doesn't want to be a part of the industry anymore he just wants to make music for the reason he listens to music and mm-hmm. i was like you know what i love that you are definitely my new idol even though mm-hmm. there's younger than me mm-hmm. I, was like, I was like this is so cool I was like, I think I'm just going to do this. So I put two songs on Spotify. One is called The Poem Song. And it's talking about how I stopped writing poetry to write music. And how I kind of miss penning prose. I do. Like, it's a strong suit of mine. Even my brother, my brother, I heard him tell one of the producer guys we hang out with. Shout out to Occupy Studio, by the way. They're a really great, like, structure in Delaware right now. But he was telling one of those guys, he was like, I, I really like, he really likes my music, but he really likes the stuff I do where I end up rambling off into poetry heavy. Mm-hmm. It's like, I love your poetry. And like, I don't know. I appreciate, again, we, it's, I guess that sibling approval. Yeah. We yeah. so desperately don't care about having Right, yeah. Who cares what they think, right? My sister would die laughing right now because she gets mad at me when I ask her if something's okay. Because she's like, oh, girl, get out of here. You already know. And I'm like, no, I really needed you to tell me it was okay. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, uh, yeah, like, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing. So, like, those songs I put up, and then I put up a song called Sick, that's more of um that's a story like that's a story of like a guy who who's into a girl like a third wheel type situation he he just watches this horrible relationship and he's kind of like the best friend who falls in love with the girl but the girl doesn't love him and he's like i'm tired of being there for you but like mm-hmm. you'll be okay like i always tell you you'll be okay but like you'll actually be okay and maybe you'll be okay without me type deal. And mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't, like, I haven't really pushed those songs, but, like, I put them out there because I'm like, uh, I officially know what I want to do. Like, I like telling stories. I like things that heal people. I like connection, even though I don't like connecting sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, like, the human connection, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. The whole human connection thing can come in various forms. Some of us have the need to sit and talk to people every day, all day, or to go out and socialize, go to parties and stuff. And others of us may be more so the orchestrators of that. And it's good enough to make an appearance or we're the undergirding of it. We provide the content and the whatever, but it's still all part of human interaction. Right. That's Connecting in various ways. Why books and stories are, are so like amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Like just it's because it, it gives you a chance to connect for the you know my I like saying my fiance so I always say my fiance instead of saying but she she's reading a book right now by this uh, author Leslie Meyer I think it is M E I E R and um it's uh she writes about holiday murders and it's a really cool concept and the way she's talking about the book right now i really can't wait until she's done with it so i can read it that name seems familiar right and i'm like i don't like i didn't christmas cookie murder is the book oh wow Uh haha i've never like i've never heard of this author before but we come across it and now it's a way for me to connect with a story and you know, see a little bit in how her mind worked and, you know, like, it's, I don't know, stories are just amazing. Like, writing, sharing. So I like, I like listening to Hobo Johnson's music, so, again, shout out to Hobo Johnson. But he, like, his music, their stories, like, they give you a chance to, like, just, I don't know. Well, look at all of these authors that we have connected with and connected with one another through reading each other's books I mean how long has it been let's see I've been doing these shows um 
was the last month. It was last month I did it. Or was it the month before last? I can't remember. Okay, so it's been about three months, I would say, since I first really jumped off into the writing community and started connecting with authors and then decided to do this show. And then we all started connecting with each other. And then all right. of you guys started connecting with each other. And several people have read other people's books. And there's no way that we would all know each other and know as much about each other, you know what I mean, where we can just, jump in on each other's pages on social media, leave a comment here and there, encourage each other, chime in, get each other's back. There's no way that we would be able to do that in three months without having read each other's books. Right. That's why I say, like, I love the idea of Scott Fitzgerald. He was just having parties. And this was before the internet existed. Mm-hmm. He was just He's connecting with other artists and allowing art to spread through the artistic community. I think that's why we got so much good art from that time period is because. And you know what? You kind of sort of gave me just a little boost on my whole brand kind of revamp that I've been doing because I've been going through something very, very similar to what you just described in a whole nother context, though, because I didn't grow up around a whole bunch of black people. I mean, of course, I'm black, so my whole family is black. We don't really have even a whole lot of interracial relationships in my family. I mean, there were a few, but for the most part, my whole family is black, Native American and black. And um, but I, I lived in Charlottesville, Virginia. I lived in Cleburne, Texas. I lived in Seattle, Washington. You know, I lived in these very, very um, predominantly white cities, but at the same time, mixed racially. And I was born in Germany. So I grew up around white people mostly. And, you know, in the 80s, um, I was in high school, so we had the whole Valley Girl thing, and music was top 40. (laughs) There was no all these different genres. It was top 40, and the radio station played top 40, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter if the person was Spanish or Black, or if it was a good song, it was getting played on the top 40 list. You had Casey Kasem's top 100 and all that kind of stuff. And so we have these very endearing sort of songs that are kind of like part of who we are, part of our history, you know, they sort of evoke emotion because, you know, the things that have happened in our history that are tied to these songs, but they're all different types of genres of songs, you know, and so I very, very much relate to what you just said. And so anything that crosses genres, whether it be music or books or multimedia or anything that crosses and intersects different tastes and and connects various people together I'm all for it and so with my brand I've sort of been thinking the same thing about you know I don't want to fit in this box I don't want to do what everybody says you know a speaker or a host or an author is supposed to do I want to do it this way so the way that I'm writing my fiction now is very very different and it's actually going to be sort of a play on my memoir because that's who I am that's me I'm not a big fiction person I mean I have to I have to force myself to take enough time. Oh, it doesn't take me long. I mean, over a couple of days, usually if I focus, but to to finish a fiction book. But I have to do it. I have to work at it because my brain is saying, oh, you know, you need to be working on this website or you need to be writing this blog or 50 million other things that I could be doing other than just quote unquote goofing off and just doing nothing besides enjoying myself between the pages of a book. But that's what I loved growing up as a kid. I'm a book nerd. So, you know, I'm very proud of myself for getting back to that, you know, but it's kind of also to become part of my brand because now, you know, the artists and the writers and the filmmakers and all the people I've connected with are sort of becoming part of what my platform is all about now, which is, you know, what people like us deal with from a standpoint of the, you know, like you talked about the autism and, you know, the anxiety and the, um, you know, corporate, um, corporate culture, which is a thing now, you know, how does that, we're entrepreneurs, you work, you, you know, you have a, a day job, but you're still an entrepreneur. And, yeah. you know, they talk about all these corporate culture issues and it's like, okay, great. That's for nine to five people. And y'all can talk about that. And, you know, people can have speeches and talks and blah, blah, blah. But what about the entrepreneur? How does that affect the musician or the artist or the author? That means when we go over here and pay our little hard earned money that we're calculating because, you know, we got we're running a business and you screw it Mm -hmm. up. You know, you might have just set my business back or hindered my album or my book or whatever Mm -hmm. thing it is. So, you know, that's 
very near and dear kind of thing to my heart, but I had to break out of the everyday what people say we're supposed to be doing to be able to do that. Right. So even my fiction that I'm writing, um, I mean, it's a fiction, that's my story and I'm sticking to it, but you already know it's more based on, <laughs> based on issues we have and sort of wrapped around everything that I'm already doing and talking about. I just couldn't. I tried. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. it. Nothing would fit. It wouldn't work. I couldn't. I couldn't get it flowing. And as soon as it hit me that I was going to start writing my introduction as though I was writing my memoir, and then I was going to flow into the story that way, too. I'm the narrator. This is my oh, first yeah. time that you know when we do those things on Twitter and they say oh what's your work in progress who are your care I haven't said anything because I, I haven't shared this idea or committed to how I'm going to do it but I've started oh, writing it and it flowed it flowed once I decided to just be me I'm excited for it Thank that's you. Can't wait. dystopian futuristic Ooh. dystopian um it's a three-part and um Oh, yeah, it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really good. I mean, I feel really, really good about it now, finally. Yes. I was scared, yes. though. Scared to jump off into fiction. Were you scared when you first did yours? Yeah, I think that's why I forced myself to do it through vocal and short stories, so I couldn't take it back, really. Mm, right. Like, it's nerve-wracking, like... I don't know. Like, I feel like it's something like, like I want to do it, but like I know it's hard to do. But like, when I when I'm doing it and I, it comes out easy, and I feel like, wait, is this too easy? Like, is it so easy that <laughs> it, it is bad? Yes, that it sucks. It must suck because it was too easy. <laughs> right. So I'm like, Ugh. and then like That's now I explain. Are good for though. That's what siblings are good for, because you know they'll tell us if it sucks. Now, I when I did my memoir, I kind of almost had myself convinced that my mom and my sister were just being nice to me because they were mom and my, my mom and my sister. But then I was like, girl, who are you kidding? You know good and well if it sucked, they would have told you. So I believed them. <laughs> and so with this one, I just took the first two or three pages I had written, and I took them, and I had showed them to my brother and my sister. And, they, and I love how they are, because they read out loud. If anybody gives them a book to read, we'll sit around and somebody in the room will read it out loud to everybody. Yeah. And then that really allows you to appreciate how good it is when you hear somebody else reading it. Yeah. So yep. Yeah, you run past your brother, you'll know if it sucks or not, that's for sure. That's why people like people <laughs> find it crazy, like, but that's that's probably the biggest thing like I admire about my fiance is because she's the same way. She'll let me know if it sucks. Yes. Lying to me does not help me. Right. (laughs) Like, and if you really know me and if you have, like, if you know me and trust me, if you have, like, faith in my personality, then you should know that you could tell me the truth, even if it's not, if it's something that I screwed up or that you didn't like or that I didn't do a good job of. You should know that I'm not going to be mad at you because you told me you didn't like something. It burns me up when people tell me that they lied to me because they were afraid about how I was going to respond. I'm like, you don't know me at all. I'm going to respond like, oh, okay. (laughs) Right? I mean, I didn't mean to. Or whatever the thing is. Or, oh, I'll make it better. Or, oh, thanks for your opinion. And then I will or won't take it. But, yeah, I appreciate. I appreciate anytime anybody can tell me something that is going to help me be better at whatever it is I'm doing. Now, you know, everybody don't always know how to share opinions. and But even in that, even sometimes when people are nasty about it, I still can learn from the thing they said. Yeah. Now, she'll just be like, I don't think that song came out the way you were trying to make it come out. And I'm like, oh, okay. Let me go back to the drawing board. See? That's, that's but, awesome. Because sometimes stuff sounds good in our head, and then it doesn't translate when we do it out loud. Right. Like, you need somebody to be honest with you to be like, all right, like, you're hearing this from kind of a skewed perspective because it's your work. Right. It's just like when you write something and you know what you meant, but if you can't explain it, then it doesn't come across. Like, now I'm on on this repost exchange thing for SoundCloud. It's kind of like a SoundCloud social media where people send you, like, their SoundCloud songs, and I'm trying to, like, 
I'm trying to boost more uh, confidence and like get more people to look at the mixtape because the mixtape is also on SoundCloud. And um, I'm also using it to source feedback, like honest feedback for my music to put it on Spotify because that is where I'll actually get paid from. But, uh, so I check to see like what's going to get me followers, what's going to get me plays. But I- I'm looking for honest fe- feedback. And a lot of people are, or at least they say they are. And they're like, you give them honest feedback. And they're like, no. They're just like, no. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean yeah. to. Yeah. Some people can't take any sort of criticism whatsoever at all. But you so know, if you're gonna if you're gonna jump out into something that's a competitive industry, you have to be able to take criticism. Yeah, I'm like, even if like I, I was having this conversation with um Sam the other day, we were talking about type A, type B people. So I'm like, I'm a type B person, realistically, and like she's probably type A, definitely, and. We're like, but that doesn't, like, it's not a bad thing. It's just, like, I have personality differences. But, like, she's, like, sees so much potential in things I can do, sometimes more than I can see myself. And it's good to have that person to push push you. Like, my older brother's like that. He's like, oh, I see all these things in you that you can do, so just do them. And I'm like... What's her sign? She's a Pisces. You guys are going to be very, very, very happy together. Very. And listen, Christian, if you don't like it, whatever. You shouldn't even be listening to my show because y'all know I might talk about aliens. I don't care. (laughs) I love, 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 love my Pisces. I mean, there is something like so special about like, the communication, I think, between mm-hmm. the Capricorn Pisces dynamic. I've even seen it with others. It's <laughs> and it's funny that you say that you're the type B and type A, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna kind of throw it out there and say, is it possible that in reality you're the type A and she's the type B, but you all are so in a position of a give and take and a of a yielding and, and submitting to one another that you are 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 elevating your queen and allowing her to be the type A because that's what a successful relationship means. Because you're a Capricorn, yeah. it's almost kind of like impossible for you to not be a type A personality. Sorry, Tim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but being aware of that and being a man and you know understanding that yes, dear is a very powerful phrase. Man will make you a very very happy man in life. Yeah, like, there's nothing wrong with just wanting to see the person you love happy. Yes, especially when they're smart and brilliant and have your back. I mean, duh, like, uh, duh. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You know what? You got to be on two shows. You know that, right? (laughs) I will gladly. I'm so serious. No, I mean, you're going to come back again after this, but you're about to be two shows this week. I'm about to take this interview, and I'm about to break it up into two shows. Okay. Because we have a, over an hour and a half worth of content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> talking and talking. And I had so much fun doing these interviews with some people and with certain other people, it was painful. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not doing this. Anymore. I told Lee and I told Di, I'm not doing this anymore. And I may or may not cut this out. <laughs> but. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to have a few people who I love and think are amazing, who are doing positive stuff, who pay it forward, who are nice to others. And y'all are going to be my regulars because I think that is too much work. It's too much work for me. I'm not that social to be having a whole bunch of random strangers on my show all the time who may or may not even appreciate it, may or may not even hit share. I don't have time for that. Yeah. We're not going to say no names, but I even had one guest one time who was not even very nice, and then she talked about me because we had technical difficulties. So, yeah, we're not doing that. I've come too far to not respect my own brand and my boundaries and let people take my show for granted because I'm good at what I do, and I have a nice-sized following. So, yeah. 
Yeah. You so. <laughs> You're very funny. Fifi, she, she loses her mind whenever anybody comes in the door, and my mom just walked in, so she's just crazy. Sorry. I have to cut this part out, I guess. <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> Okay, so yes, okay, so maybe one time, I don't know, is your fiance shy? Say that again? Is she shy? Uh, she's an introvert like me. Okay, you think she really might come shy. hang out with us one day and we can talk about relationships or something on the air? Yeah, she'd do that. Cool, yeah, we'll schedule that. And your music people and whoever else you want to invite to uh, Living Sugar Free Lifestyle Show. Okay. Okay. I um, cannot even begin to tell you how much I appreciate this and how much fun I have talking to you and how much I enjoy picking your brain and listening to you drop knowledge. I love your perspective on things. Um, <laughs> so, yes, my show is your show, brother. Uh, I appreciate that. I always have so much fun here. So I'm going to send out a schedule and I'm going to let my special guests that I'm going to have back, you guys, send us some questions. I know that you guys love some of these guests. I know y'all love Daniel. I've been getting feedback and tweets and shares, and we've been getting really, really good feedback, but help us do even more. Make sure that you're buying the books. Make sure that you're following all of them. Let's do this again. If I get it right, I get a cookie. (laughs) Danny Deuce on Twitter. And 1202 Deuce Lee on Instagram. Is that right? Yes, it is. Oh, shucks. And then on Spinrilla? Yep. 1202 Deuce Lee, right? Yep. Yeah, see y'all? That's how you know when I've really connected with a person. When I can just roll (laughs) off their IDs, you know, off the top of my head. Because I'll forget forget your name if we don't (laughs) follow up with a connection. (laughs) (laughs) okay so what what's the next book we can expect from you uh the next book is going to be this work in progress is going to be uh yeah you're right it's going to take me some time to edit that so the next the next book is actually going to be uh can chris crochet it's going to be my next in the series (laughs) you're gonna make me cry It's going to be my next in the series for Teach a Girl to Fish in that line. <laughs> you know how much I love that concept. Yep, yep, okay, we're running so with it. Do you know how to crochet? I don't, but I'm putting myself through a rigorous trial. Um, my, my in-laws have, uh, are like, deep all of them like knit and crochet and all of that yay (laughs) yay men who knit and men who who crochet are the bomb that is like the bomb bomb you must 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 take a picture of yourself you gotta put on a cool sweater and sit in a chair (laughs) be sitting outside doing something real rugged with some trees and be sitting there knitting you gotta do that (laughs) yeah yeah so i guess i'm spending time that i make Say again. Have you seen my knitted hand warmers? Mm-mm. My sister crochets and I knit, which I didn't. I mean, I learned when I was like eight. And then I just took a YouTube training and brushed up on it. Like maybe it's been mm, no, snow. Oh, yes. like, it's been maybe like five years now. I just watched a YouTube video, went out and bought some yarn and a little kit, and I started knitting. And I have been making gloves and scarves and hats for people. Of course, I go long periods of time without doing it. But when I get in the mood, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> Does your sister have a pair, like, in one of her Instagram? Uh-huh. Yep. yep. Okay. And, yep. Yep. I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. I'm so excited. You said when is that coming out? Uh, that is going to be around March, April. That's going to be at my rescheduled test for the MCAT. Okay, good. So you guys, um, he's busy because he's studying for the MCAT, but we're going to have him back sometime between now and then. We'll keep you up on the uh, Second and Charles book signing and also to the book release and the book launch. And um, 
I thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, it was a pleasure as always. All right. If you have questions, send them in for Daniel, for anybody else who's been on the show. Um, when he comes back, he'll answer them. Or if it's, you know, pressing, maybe I can get him to just record or answer your question. I'll play it on a different show. Um, but definitely please follow, shout out, share. I gave you all his handles. And then all the people that we shouted out and talked about, we'll come back and we'll share those links for you. Look, look for the links underneath, you know, the posts that we share if you want to follow up on some of the things that we talked about. I'll make sure we do that. And we will talk to you guys again very, very soon. Thanks again so much for listening. And thank you so much for being here on the Living Sugar Free Lifestyle Show with Andrea Raquel and Daniel Chapman. We'll be back to talk to you guys again real soon. <laughs> All right. <laughs>